0: in quiet solitude, the forests and the streams, seeking grace in every step he takes, his side has turned inside himself to try and understand, the serenity of a clear stars upon the land, in the Colorado Rocky Mountain High, I've seen it rain and fire in the sky, I know he'd be poor man if you never saw an eagle fly, Rocky Mountain High.
1: It's Wednesday on Weagle, and that means it's time for some tailgate talk with Christian and Donovan, your go-to for all things college football. So get ready for a recap and a breakdown of all the college football scores, news, and predictions. So drop your tailgates, grab your playbooks, and get ready to talk some football.
2: Another week has come and gone in the world of college football, colossal matchups in the Big 12 and Pac-12 have changed the landscapes in both those conferences, and a certain SEC team has been exposed. Looking ahead to this Saturday, there's another big slate of games with huge college football playoff implications. Hello and welcome to Tailgate Talk. I'm Donovan Weaver, and joining me as always is the guy that does all the prep work for this show so I can sound like I know what I'm talking about. Christian, how you doing? But hey, at least you
1: run the soundboard in like the two minutes of commercials. You know, you you take the stardom on that.
2: Uh yeah, no, I was about to say, <laughs> I was about to say I've not I think I haven't done an intro since like uh, episode three or something <laughs> like that. And I was like, oh, I was like, let, let me let me run a little intro. Let, let me make it all uh professional. Like I like I we actually know what we're talking about. But no, that <laughs> is true. Christian has literally done the prep work for like the past three shows, and I've just kind of been. Kind of been just piggybacking off of him, but I do run the sound boards really bad, by the way. I'm, I'm an awful technician, but uh, as, as we like to joke, Christian, do you think you could do any better? Or Oh, definitely not. I
1: stand here with a microphone in, in front of my face, and that's that's about all I'm good for.
2: Yeah, well, what is going on Uh, real quick before we get to the show? What's going on uh, outside the world of college football? Oh, uh, well, I think it's the
1: World Series. That's the, is there? the no. big thing going on. I mean, it might not be too popular now that couple of the star teams are out. But, yeah, the the Braves of last year – or last year's Braves, essentially. This year's Phillies taking on the Astros in a very interesting World Series matchup.
2: No, it really is. I feel like the Phillies are kind of like the Braves last year. Where they That's what, got, yeah. yeah, again, they just got, like, really hot. And then the Astros are actually, like, a legit team. I mean, if you can sweep the, the Yankees who balled out for the entire season and then made them look like, you know – chump me no I yeah. mean you're pretty good and to me it's like the who's the lesser of two evils because as a Braves fan I hate the Phillies yeah but nobody likes the Astros no. so it's just one of those I don't know I feel like I'm I'm probably in the minority here but I don't I just don't think I can root for the Phillies but I'm not I'm not I don't i do not even care who wins I, I don't want either of them to win. I mean again like you're saying it's almost
1: like it's like happy lost day or lose lose day I think I posted that on Instagram last year watching the national championship game um and it's just like, you know, regardless of what happens, I'm not going to be
2: happy. <laughs> so. Yeah, so whoever wins, I hope uh, both teams don't have a good time. Um, yeah. But the NBA has started, and our Atlanta Hawks are 2-1. and one. They look pretty good. I went to the opening night last weekend. Actually, right after our show, I, I scurried down there, and I got to see Jabari play. And he's, uh, he, he looks pretty good. Uh, and he's starting for the Rockets, which is huge. And then on the other side, you have Walker Kessler, another former Auburn Tiger. He's getting some good minutes in Utah, so it's cool to see our boys as rookies you know getting significant getting a, amount of playing time it
1: definitely is I feel like because of those two I feel like I've watched more NBA basketball at least early on than than I naturally would have and yeah like you said it was cool being able to watch him or watch Jabari take on Atlanta in Atlanta where he's from and so it's obviously a, a cool homecoming and a pretty
2: solid place to make your NBA debut well, I know I did the intro, but uh, I'm still going to reserve this uh, special honor for you. You want to tell the uh, listeners what we got coming up in the show?
1: Yeah, let's do it. We're going to start off once again. I got another question, another trivia question for Donovan. So we'll start off with some tailgate trivia. Then we're going to ride into a week eight recap, and that'll follow up with he is the man. One of our very uh, one of our favorite segments, I feel like, just being able to, to specialize one or two specific players from this past week that we feel like should get a special acknowledgment. Then we'll go to our beloved and undoubtedly favorite segment who's hot and who's not. We got some very good ones for that, so you make sure to to stay tuned for that. And then we got a week 9 look ahead. So we got a couple couple good games. A little bit of an off week this week, but still good enough to just sit on the couch and watch some football.
2: Yeah, no, I just uh I mean honestly, you know, we're both Auburn Tigers, so it's been a it's been a rough little go of it for us. So I'm just I've just re- it's been like the first year or I kind of did last year. Where I've actually looked around the country and been watching mostly other teams besides Auburn. Yeah. <laughs> where I'm just trying, I'm trying to focus on other conferences and other uh, places besides the SEC. And this year actually really does feel like, um, like most years, you kind of feel like the SEC is just dominating college football. But this this year just kind of seems a little different. I think there's some actually really good teams out there. There
1: is, and it comes from teams that you wouldn't necessarily expect. I mean, honestly, the Big Twelve is running a very good conference as well you wouldn't have thought that Kansas would have been in a conversation you would have thought that Oklahoma would be in the conversation and so it's yeah it is weird seeing the the whole grasp of college football and especially even if just in the SEC you'd expect you know nobody, nobody was expecting Tennessee to be as dominant as they are people are expecting Texas A&M to look a lot better than they have so it really is it's a very a very interesting year of college football as of right now I mean you could easily say that there's Seven, eight, nine teams competing for the one through four in the college football playoff.
2: Yeah, and even one of those teams is, uh, I, I think very much so. They've proved as Oregon, uh, yeah. and and I know after that first week, we we kind of wrote them off. We are like, oh, like we know Georgia's good, but I mean, you could be that bad. You're just, I mean, you're you're you how how good are you really? But no, that I'm, I don't know, Bo Nix. He just, he's bringing. He's just. Pulling that team along, they they he's look having, like serious he's having tenders. fun. He is, he's having fun. He's a dark dark horse. Dark horse uh, for, dark the, yeah. for the husband. No, I actually saw where they like compared his stats to Mariota's a year when he won it. They're very similar. I don't doubt it.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, you look at everything after week one, and again, we'll talk about him a lot more following the UCLA UCLA victory, but just the stats that he's able to put up against not poor defenses. You know, we're used to the Pac-12 being. You know, seventy-three to sixty victories and stuff like that. But no, there's actually some, some solid defense being played, and he's able to make it look like there's not much of a defense being played.
2: Well, after you embarrassed me last week, um, showing that my cultural knowledge isn't as good as I would like to be, what what stumper do you have for me this week? All
1: right, so there are twelve Division One football teams in the state of Texas. Yes. We'll give you we'll give you one, one commercial break here because this one should be a little bit easier to get a majority of them. Yeah. But I would like to see how many of the twelve you can name. How many do you think I'll get? I got ten. You got ten. I got okay. ten. Okay. And, um yeah, so I, I think I think eight or nine is definitely achievable. There's a couple that are like, Oh, okay. But I think I think could do pretty solid.
2: Well, uh, I didn't get them last time, but the main green I do. North Texas. There we go. Yeah. I got, I got so that that's one kind of obscure one, I would say. So at least I'll have one of them down. You
1: will, yes. But for right now, let's go ahead and run into a week eight recap. We're gonna start off with number five, Clemson defeating. I guess that's uh the word you can use. Number fourteen, Syracuse, twenty-seven to twenty-one. Cade Klubnik enters the game for the benched DJ. Uyangalele,
2: nice. That was good. Yeah, yeah. I'm not attempting it again. It's a running theme in our show that I just say DJ. I'm not not attempting that last name.
1: Yeah, but after his third turnover of the game, Kate Klubnick enters the game down 21 to 10 in the third quarter, and he only has to throw the ball four times. So I guess he came in and was productive. He looks like the hero. He's a savior. Yeah, yeah, but when you look at it, I mean, two for four, 19 yards. We'll give him credit, though. He did have a huge scramble on a two-point conversion that gave them a two-point lead, or I'm sorry, a three-point lead at the time to make it 24. They kicked a field goal later on to make it six. But Will Shipley, showing off his Christian McCaffrey-esque moves, 27 carries, 172 yards, and two touchdowns. Clemson's offense gets away with a scare, four turnovers on the day. Dodges a major bullet to arguably remain, I, I don't know if I want to say a favorite for the playoff, but if, if you lose there with how they have not been very impressive, I feel like a loss almost counts as two With when you're playing the way that you are.
2: No, nah, it definitely would have looked tough. And, I, again, in that first half, uh, I wasn't feeling too confident for them. I actually didn't even get to watch the second half. I had to go back and rewatch it because I watched the first half and then, I can't remember what we had to do, but I had to go do something. And, and then I checked the final score. I was like, oh, Clemson might have just really got it together. I saw where they benched uh, DJ and put in Kate. So I was like, okay. Oh, DJ who? Uh, DJ. <laughs> uh, and then I saw where they benched him. And I was like, oh, uh, Cade must have went off. And then I saw his stats, and I was like, how did Clemson win that yeah. game? It wasn't weird. But yeah. uh, Will Shipley, uh, I did get to see him play a couple weekends ago down at Florida State. That dude's special. Yeah, he is. A- and he's been hurt most of the season. So even when I- – it was funny – he came on the field. I was like, I don't even think I know who that is. And then my buddy who goes to Florida State was like, Oh, that's Will Shipley. Like, he's actually really good. Like, yeah. Watch him. I just, just seeing him move, like going in between and how, how he's like elusive. He is, he is kind of like a Christian McCaffrey type guy who's, he can just make people miss. And he had a standout game and they really needed it too. Yeah, they really did.
1: And we'll move to the SEC now with number six, Alabama, beating number 24, Mississippi State at home 30 to 6. And you know you look at the score and you're like, okay, that's a comfortable blowout. But if you go to the stat-wise, everything other than that is is not blowout at all. Uh, I mean, the six points from Mississippi State came as time expired, so you're looking at essentially a thirty-to-nothing game. When you're looking at total yards, it's two hundred ninety-three to two hundred ninety. Mississippi State outgained them. First downs is 21 to 20 Alabama and the time of possession was 30 minutes and 29 seconds to 29 minutes and 31 seconds. So when you're looking at that you feel like it should be a a 10 to 10 game or, or I guess a 13 to 10 game. So yeah, it's it's weird. And it's also weird looking at Alabama and seeing a six by them. I was looking at it and that's it's 40 straight weeks that they were in the top 5 rankings and that streak was snapped. I mean, if you go to six, I guess that's not too much to be upset yeah. about, yeah. but what do you, you think about it?
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I watched a little bit of this game and then, you know, Bama's kind of running away with it. It just, it did kind of seem like Bama was a little sluggish, though, like after, uh, after obviously a heartbreaking loss against Tennessee last week. And State just kind of, I, you know, I think it was just a classic, uh, we say this a lot, but it's just a classic matchup where Bama just has better players and they yeah. won the game. But I mean, I, again, I felt like Bama, cause you kind of expect a Bama to kind of like, either two ways. They were going to come in and drop a dud or get shot out of a cannon and like play great. And none of those things really happened. They just kind of played fine. And they, I mean, obviously they, they blew them out. So I don't want to like downplay, you know, their, you know, the credit to them. They won it easy. But no, Bama just didn't look, Bama didn't look like, I don't, I don't know. It didn't really look like Bama to me in my no, opinion. No, it didn't at all. It wasn't,
1: if you're an Alabama fan, it wasn't, I guess, convincing or it wasn't, you didn't feel good after it. It just kind of was like, Oh, we won by 24. I wouldn't have thought that. And we'll keep it in the SEC. We'll go to number seven, Ole Miss. Wow. We honestly didn't even think about really talking about this game until we saw the spread where LSU was favored by a point and a half. But LSU gets exposed in Baton Rouge 45-20. to Well, I will
2: say this, and I I feel like most people did it. Um, I actually picked LSU in this game, and I I thought that was like a big brain move. But it's really because I went and – you look at all of Ole Miss's games; they played a lot of games against you know inferior opponents where they didn't look that good. And LSU is doing this weird thing where like they looked awful at the beginning of the season, like they played awful against Auburn. Auburn probably should have blown them out, and you know they escaped with a win. But then last last week or the week before, Jaden Daniels, I, I think I said this on the show when we talked about it. I said Jaden Daniels he looked really good last week, expecting to have a big game, and he did. Jaden Daniels goes 369 total yards. Three passing and and three rushing for six total touchdowns. Uh, he played really out of his mind and uh, won in a comfortable game. wasn't even close.
1: No, it really wasn't. You could see it from, honestly, from the second quarter on. LSU, I think, got up to a – or, I'm sorry, uh, Ole Miss got up to a 17-3 lead. And then four minutes later, LSU put up three touchdowns on them. And after that, it was like LSU was playing against nobody. The offense couldn't figure out what to do. Uh, the, Ole Miss's defense couldn't get the stop when they needed to. And yeah, I mean, 45 to 20, that's comfortable too. Yeah.
2: No, it really wasn't close. It's was just kind of, again, one of those games where you probably thought. Again, Ole Miss is ranked number seven. You expect them to come out and get the job done against a LSU team that, again, you have it in your notes today, this, LS this LSU team is weird. They are weird. They've been weird the whole season. Again, you watch the Florida State game where, again, they looked like way out class, but they still kept it close. Auburn game, they ended up winning but still looked awful. And then they blow out Mississippi State, and I think State's a pretty solid team. I mean, I know they got beat by Alabama pretty heavily, but a lot of teams do get beat by Alabama pretty heavily. Again, I don't know what to think of LSU. It's just, again, they're one of those teams where you don't really know. But uh, we are going to take a quick break. We're going to come back talking about the Horn Frogs, uh, Oakey State, and uh, your boy Bo Nix and his Oregon Ducks. Uh, But y'all stay tuned to Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back to Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1 FM. We're still going over week eight. And next up is the Horn Frogs. Number eight TCU leads a pretty big comeback over number 17 Kansas State. Uh, Your boy Max Dugan. Uh, another efficient game 17 26 with 280 and three touchdowns uh, Kansas State was up 28 to 10 with three and a half to go in the second quarter and as you said and all of a sudden was only up for when they got the ball back again what happened in that game
1: yeah so there's a big thing in football it's called like the momentum time or or crunch time or something and that's essentially the last four minutes before halftime and then the first two drives of the third quarter I feel like those those two times really really set the tempo for the rest of the game, and when you look back on it, you can really see the game develop and arguably come out with a victory or a victor from those eight, nine minutes, and that's exactly what happened in this game. I mean, we're high on TCU's offense. We're high on Max Dugan. They don't turn the ball over. That's the biggest thing in college football is you see teams putting up points, but you also see them making the mistakes that are that – are, Detrimental to the momentum, which I mean, we'll talk about with Texas and Oklahoma State. Like, that is a perfect example of that. But Dugan does not turn the ball over. And in crunch time, it's like he's almost better. Like I said, I mean, TCU had a 10-play, 91-yard touchdown drive right before the half. And then a 13-play, 77-yard touchdown drive to start the second half. You're up by 18 if you're Kansas State. Then all of a sudden you get the ball back with 12 minutes left in the third quarter. And you're like, oh. We're up by four. You go down, miss a field goal. TCU has a 55-yard play-action pass, two plays after that. All of a sudden, now you're down, and you're like, what just What just happened? I feel like we had every single bit of momentum eight game clock minutes ago, and it's just crazy how efficient this TCU offense is and how what they're able to do when you don't turn the ball over.
2: Yeah, that 21-point uh, uh, swing – was quick, and it happened really fast. And then, again, Kansas State really couldn't do anything in the second half. They Offensively, they just kind of shut down. But that does bring us to uh, a game I was very excited of the outcome because I'm big on Oklahoma State. Number 11, Oklahoma State, does come back to beat. Number 20, Texas, 41-34. to High-scoring game, but – I mean, that's not really what I saw. I kind of saw like the offense, especially Texas, they struggled a little bit. They did.
1: Ewers especially, 19 of 49. Uh, He did throw for 319 and two touchdowns, but three interceptions, two of them on the final, or (laughs) I guess bookend interceptions. He threw one on the first drive of the game, and then he threw two on the final two drives of the game. And the Oklahoma State offense kind of stalled late in the third quarter and all of the fourth quarter, but – I mean, it seems like Texas did just as just as much. I mean, two interceptions to essentially end the game. Uh, it's the first time Ewers has really struggled in a college uniform. I feel like people were really high on Texas. I mean, I was really high on Texas saying that they were, I think, the best two-loss team in college football, and if they won out, I could see something crazy happen to where, you know, a New Year's Six could have been possible, or, you know, I don't necessarily want to go as far to say a playoff spot was possible, but with how that offense looked – early with Ewers. It was very impressive but then the Iowa State game last week where they didn't look very impressive and then the second half this past week. I guess I can pump the brakes a little bit.
2: Yeah, no, it was we, we were talking about last week how we really thought that Texas would probably be undefeated if uh Quentin Ewers was healthy the whole season, but I'm going to give Oklahoma State a little credit, you know, devastating loss last week against CCU where honestly they probably should have won that game. They yeah. kind of they blew that game, but they do they stay in contention for the Big 12 title, so good on them. Uh, again, I'm written for y'all. I just love their color, their uniforms. I know Tennessee's trying to <laughs> copy them, but yeah. but again, I feel like Okie State's got a little better orange than Tennessee. But I do I do like Tennessee's uniforms are coming out the Halloween uniforms. Look yeah, good. those
1: are those are pretty sweet.
2: But uh, the game that uh, Christian's been talking about uh, when we were prepping, this is literally the only game he talked about. Uh, <laughs> Oregon, uh, the only top ten uh, matchup of the week. Uh, number ten Oregon did beat UCLA forty five to thirty. And Bo Nix, I'm just gonna let you take this away because uh, I'll let you talk about this one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we both predicted the Oregon win, but it was definitely not in this sort of fashion. I mean, we—I think you said Bo Nix leads a, a game, a game-winning field goal as time expires. But I can't believe really mean, you remember that. Yeah, that, that was one, yeah. that was not needed at all. Bo was 22 of 28, 283 yards and five touchdowns. We're both big, big Josh Pate guys. I love, I love watching him. I love his takes. I love watching like his YouTube segments and stuff like that. And I was watching him, and he said he said a quote, and it made me laugh, I guess ironically, because this is the way that I've always thought this exact thought process, but the common Auburn fans that wanted Bo gone, and I'm sorry, I'm going to get a little petty here, but the quote from Josh Pate was talking about Bo. They've put him in a position where he does not get assaulted every other play by defensive linemen. That's a, that's a hard way to start a quote right there, but... It, it's nothing but the truth. He continues by saying they've put very, very good receivers out wide, and they've got a culture that he can improve and develop in, which I would argue that he never had at Auburn. And it's hard to disagree with any of those statements.
2: No, it really is. I, you know, when you watch, Bo, I, I feel like the, the story time at Auburn was you can see the talent, he's got really good mobility, has a really good arm, but people hated on his decision-making. They said he had happy feet. They ran from the top po- pocket too much. But in hindsight, we look back at it now, it's probably just because he didn't really get protection. No, not and, at I, all. And, and I think people knew the offensive line for Auburn wasn't great, but I think they blamed Bo Nix a lot more than they blamed the O-line. Definitely. And it's kind of like it's it's the tale for uh, running backs, too. I think it's the big one saying, like, oh, is Tank Bigsby really not that good? His stats haven't been great this season. Well, if you don't have an O-line, I don't care if you're Saquon Barkley, you're not going to have a good season. When you're getting hit – we've talked about this at Nauseam too. When you're getting hit in the backfield and you're having to break tackles in the backfield and your two- and three-yard runs are are looking like really good runs, that's not a good thing. It's hard to be productive. And, again, Bo Nix has gone to Oregon – had again, we talked about it that gaming uh Georgia, you ran into a mammoth. But ever since then, they've been on cloud nine. They've just been cruising past everybody. And I'm telling you that there's, I think they're actually serious contenders. I, I think they'll win the Pac-12 pretty easy. But you know, for a college twelve playoffs, spot, well, you never know. Again,
1: I I completely agree. I don't I don't want to necessarily go as far to say as their road ahead is comfortable, but. I think they'll handle Colorado, who won their first game of the year last week. Congratulations, um, Colorado. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Washington and Oregon State, those two teams are, I guess, middle-of-the-pack teams, but you know, you don't really hear about Oregon State football. Washington is hit and miss. And then the Utah game, that'll be a fun one on November 19th. But, I mean, if you're looking at those three games, I don't think that Oregon would not be favored by a decent amount in all three of those games. So if you're looking at Oregon, could possibly go 11 and one, win the title game. It's hard to say that they don't have a very good and legitimate look. If especially if Georgia's in it too, you're going, hey, our one losses to the number one team of the country, and it was at the beginning who, of the season. Exactly, that's yeah. another thing I was going to say. Losses in the college football playoff committee's eyes are so timely. If you lose early on in the year, you're okay. But I, I mean, I talked about it here. Georgia and Tennessee. Who are one and three still have to play each other. Ohio State and Michigan play in week twelve. Who are two and four and both have to play each other. Ohio State plays Penn State this week. So if either of those teams slip up, and then like before these games, you could easily see one or two of these teams having a two having two losses. And at that, if that's the case, then a one loss Oregon team or a one loss Alabama team, and even Clemson, even if you're undefeated with. Not looking great, those teams are all peeking in and all of a sudden going, Hey, we deserve a shot. And I feel like Oregon almost leads that favor just because of, again, their loss was not good, but of how early on in the season it was. You can see that this team is different.
2: Yeah, I, I, what, what was I was going to say, I don't want to say this because the college football playoff community is really unpredictable, but I feel like Oregon controls their own destiny. If they went out and they do win the Pac 12, I don't see how you don't put them in. Yeah, I, I think they, I think they'll get in at three or four because again, Michigan, and Ohio State have to play each other, Georgia, Georgia and Tennessee still have to play each other, and then you got the SEC championship game, which will probably be Alabama versus one of those two teams. I, I think, I think while you probably could put two SEC teams in this year. I doubt they will, especially because they're starting to get hate for putting two SEC teams every year, especially, you know, it kind of feels repetitive. So, no, I feel like Oregon controls their own destiny. If they went out, then they're in.
1: Yeah, no, I 100% agree. And we'll keep it with this game. I'll keep it with Bo because, again, he deserves the credit that he has been playing with, and we'll ride right into he's the man. Give me Bo. I'll take Bo. Again, 22 of 28, five touchdowns. But it's not necessarily just Bo and his exact talent that he's or the stats that he's throwing out on the field it's who he's doing it against obviously last week it was against a very good UCLA defense but it's the way like we just talked about the way that the Oregon team has rebounded and respond after honestly getting absolutely assaulted and obliterated by by Georgia in week one I would say that the casual and even above casual college football fans haven't paid attention to a single thing that Oregon has done maybe up until this week. And all of a sudden you're looking at it and, oh, they're now the eighth-ranked team in the country. Oh, Georgia is still their only loss. There's there's so many things that have changed with this offense. It's a completely different team. It's a completely different dude taking the snaps. And I say dude respectfully because Bo is looking like a dude. And, again, just looking at all of the possible games, like you said, Oregon controls its destiny if they take care of business, I can easily see them and Bo Nix leading them to a Pac-12 title game as well as a possible playoff game against maybe Georgia again.
2: Yeah, no, I'm happy. For, I'm actually – I'm really happy for Bo Nix because all he's doing is that draft stock's going up. And if he, yeah. he keeps on – and he, that's the thing, he keeps on looking better and better. If he keeps doing that, you know, you never know. I think we joked about how this was kind of becoming a quarterback award, which it inevitably when you're talking about who who, who played the best, it usually does fall on. You look at the quarterback because, um, I mean, they kind of do make the most impact. Uh, I've, I've given it to a couple running backs. I know you've given it to a wide receiver, and you've also given it to a defense coordinator, which I like that a lot. But I am going to go with a, a quarterback from LSU, Jaden Daniels. Honestly, could have gave this to him last week. He had six total touchdowns last week over 350 yards passing, but this week he went 21 of 28, 248 with two touchdowns, no interception. You're like, oh okay, that's pretty good. But then he also rushed for 121 yards and three touchdowns for five total touchdowns. Uh, Jaden Daniels has, to me, been the most improved player over the season. Um 'Cause again, you saw him in that Florida State game, you're like, yeah. You saw him in that Auburn game, and you're like, oh God, like LSU's really bad. But ever since then, he's looked like a stud quarterback and he just he looks good. He looks comfortable. The LSU offensive line has given him opportunities. The wide receivers are making plays. And again, this LSU team is I I can't believe they're six and two because of how they've looked in some of these games, but and honestly, should be seven and one because of the way that or could be seven and one for the way they lost against FSU. I, they're kind of just one of those teams you just kind of got to look out for. You're like, I don't, I don't really think they're that good, but sometimes they've looked that good. And Jaden Daniels is a big part of that.
1: Yeah, no, I 100% agree. The transfer portal this year has been has been huge for quarterbacks with Bo and with Jaden Daniels coming from Arizona State. Uh, it's crazy to see that you know type of type of college football world that we're living in. But right before the break, we got two minutes. I'm going to give you two minutes
2: to name those 12 teams if you can. I'm
0: going
1: to put you on a little timer here, and you should go ahead and get
2: started. I think we should do it after the break because I haven't even written any of them down. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Get, I, I was coming out of break. I'll, I'll do I got it you. I All right. got two minutes after the break, but you, you want to lead us out?
1: Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, we'll take a quick break here. We're going to lead into our Who's Hot and Who's Not segment following the break and following Donovan going 0 for 12. Just kidding uh, with his trivia. But don't, you don't want to miss it. We got a very solid Who's Hot and Who's Not. You're listening to Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1. Welcome back to Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1. My name is Christian Griffin. I'm here with Donovan Weaver in the booth. And before the break, we asked Donovan a question. Name the 12 Division I football teams in the state of Texas. Donovan,
2: how did you do? i got to be honest. I can't believe I did worse than last week (laughs) because last week's question was a lot harder. Uh, I got, like, all the easy ones. So, got Texas, Texas Tech, and Texas A&M. The uh, three that actually have Texas in the name. I got North Texas, the main green. Because um, Troy, I used to go to Troy, and they played them. And they were in the same conference. And then I got SMU because they played in Dallas. And I was actually, I was actually looking at their law school. I'll plug that a little bit. <laughs> and then I'm, I, my mind's going blank on like literally every. Mm. And I know there's a ton of big teams, but mm. I know that's terrible. <laughs> well, you might be kicking yourself a little bit. We're I gonna, know. I we're going to
1: run down the list. We're going to start off with the Houston Cougars. Wow. We're going to move down to you got. The Southern Methodist Mustangs (SMU). Uh, how about the Baylor Bears? <laughs> uh, keeping that, you got Texas. Uh, you did not get a team. Actually, I don't know. If, did you get TCU?
2: No, I didn't. Okay. I didn't get te- oh, Texas did. Christian. No, I did not get them. Uh, even though we just talked about them, yeah, yeah and they're did. one of the best teams in the country um, this year.
1: The Texas Tech Red Raiders got them. Yep. Yes. And you got North Texas Mean
2: Green. I did get the Mean Green. You got
1: the Aggies of Texas A&M. The Rice Owls. Okay. We did
2: not I didn't get rice? Probably wouldn't I, have got rice yeah. either. Okay. Yeah, not I'm, I'm not upset it. about that one.
1: Uh, how about Texas El Paso, UTEP, baby, the miners? UTEP. <laughs> okay. Uh, this was the other one that I did not get. I did not get the Texas San Antonio Roadrunners. I would to get UTSa.
2: Yeah, I no, did not.
1: I didn't no. get them. And then finally to the Texas State Bobcats.
2: That's off dude. That's another. Tr- <laughs> that's awful. That's another. That's another Sun Belt opponent. I'm just. That's terrible by me. I'm sorry. I just. I used, to, I used to think I was good at trivia, and then when, I, when you put me on spot, I'm just terrible. I, we'll have
1: to switch it up next week.
2: Well, if it was movie trivia, I'd knock it out of the park. But, you know, if it's, uh, yeah, well, we definitely will switch it up next week. And I'm just, I'm going to find the hardest question, just oh, embarrass you. Yeah. Even though you're giving me easy ones, and I'm just blanking <laughs> on them.
1: Yeah, no. So, uh, if y'all played along, hopefully you got more than Donovan, because that was embarrassing.
2: That was pretty bad. No, that was pretty bad.
1: <laughs> Speaking of embarrassing, we're gonna lead into who's hot and who's not. We're actually not gonna start off with the embarrassing part. We're gonna start off with uh, the hots, I guess. I feel like that's a so that's a better way to start it off. So, Don, you want us to lead us off with uh, number four?
2: Yeah, number four. We have Greg. This is funny. Greg McElroy. Dot dot dot. Not a corn dog fan. Last week in South Carolina, Texas A and M. It was at the Texas A and M game. Jordan Rogers and Tom Hart share a snack in the broadcast booth promoting the food from the SC State Fair. Uh, McRoy was not too happy about it. This was what he said: "quote I'm sitting here on the edge of my seat as a as a South Carolina fan, absolutely freaking out, trying to win the Governor's Cup or whatever the blankets called for the first time. And then I fast forward, and I'm having to see a bachelor contestant eating a two and a half foot freaking corn dog. <laughs> that's hard. That's, that's hard. That's bad.
1: Okay, that a bachelor <laughs> contestant. You went as far to say that. I feel like that's." That's the hard thing to say because you're also like a commentator. As if you're Greg McElroy, so the fact that you're taking shots at at your
2: own people—that's
1: uh, that's hard to do.
2: Yeah, I know. I just okay. When I read that, I was like, "What?" Yeah, and then I was like, "Oh, yeah, I totally remember what happened." I didn't know Greg McElroy said that. Is that what he said? So that
1: was on their podcast.
2: Okay, on that yeah, Monday. Yeah, okay, and that's what he said. Yeah, and that's
1: yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like that's just one of those things. Or I mean, it's hot because he definitely doesn't like corn dogs,
2: or he doesn't like
1: doesn't like Jordan or whatever. Maybe but.
2: maybe he just doesn't like the corn dogs, yeah. like eating on TV. Maybe yeah. he doesn't have a problem with corn dogs. Maybe he just has a problem with Jordan Rodgers. Yeah,
1: I don't know. Maybe I mean,
2: maybe Greg, no, we'll never know. Maybe Greg Michael was like, well, I mean, I won a national championship, and maybe you, he's just still mad that Alabama
1: would, lost. Or, he probably is. And,
2: yeah, he saw him lose to Tennessee. Yeah, they did lose to Tennessee, right? I think so. They did. Okay, did you yeah. hear about that? I did hear about that. I okay. heard that they lost to Tennessee on a game-winning <laughs> field goal that was majestic. The, the the ball looked. It was a perfect spiral, and oh, it went yeah. right through the middle of the center. Yeah.
1: All right, moving on to number three. Uh, we're just going to call it safeties. You know, you think, uh, you think of maybe the position, you know, the, the very last hope for a defense on making a play. But this, in fact, was not about the defensive player, but instead the way to score points. And this game was not a game – That would drive up the TV ratings, but you might as well have watched it because you would have watched history been made. What kind of history, you say? Um, I don't know if that's something that needs to be shared, but we'll go ahead and share it either. Weber State, the Wildcats, had a Division I FBS record for four safeties. Yes, four safeties given up in one game. And to make it worse, I think that they might be looking for a new long snapper. Because every single one of the safeties, or yeah, every single one of the safeties was from a bad snap from their long snapper on a punt.
2: Yeah, and I remember when uh, it, uh, ESPN put the sign on Instagram and they showed the first one. And I was like, okay, that, that happens a lot. You know, the snapper snaps over the head, they get a safety. And then the clip kept rolling. And I was like, oh, wow, so yeah. two in one game. That's like, that's pretty rare. And then it kept going. <laughs> and then one more, and I was like, it looks
1: like a replay, too. Like it's the exact like it's, it's, it's high and right. Yeah, it's high, high. It's
2: and they're not even close. Like it's not even over the head. It's like it's to the side. Like yeah. it, it's a really bad snap. It's funny. I don't want to don't want to hate on my boy. Uh, one of my good friends from high school was named Dylan Maxwell. We were playing our rivals one year, and he's a sophomore, right? And they put him in at long snapper because ours got hurt the previous drive, so he has to go in at long snapper. Our punter's legit six six. He snapped it over his head by about, <laughs> about four feet. I can't believe he did it. So n- nice little reminder for me.
1: Yeah, no, but it's that's, that's a very that's a that's a crazy game to think about. They ended up losing the game by five, too. So those eight points were very crucial. And it was it was Weaver State's first loss of the year. And I don't know who had more fun with it, whether it was SportsCenter or, or us or I think the Montana State. Twitter. They might have had the most fun with it. They had pretty clever captions for each of the safeties, but I don't know about you, but I'm a pretty big YouTube guy. I like to, to watch some YouTube videos, especially uh, especially when I eat. But you know, there's the YouTube captions that are always like, try not to laugh, 100% difficulty, like you're going to fail. And so after their third safety of the game, the tweet said, Weber State, snap the ball properly. And in parentheses, it said 100% difficulty. And, I don't know, I find that absolutely hilarious. It's a very subtle troll, but uh, it's pretty funny.
2: Now, I love a good social media team. Uh, the thing I appreciate about the Atlanta Falcons so much, their social media team is on point. And uh, good for Montana State, getting a little jab in. And I can't believe like that's actually what decided the game. Because yeah. usually when something like that happens, you're like, oh, it didn't even matter. Oh, no, like, that actually mattered. Like, <laughs> all all those was- matters. <laughs> but moving on to our number two, uh, Hot. this one was actually really funny so Miami's playing uh, Miami's playing Duke and they're not not doing too well have eight turnovers on the day so not great Now we all know the uh, the horns up the, the horns up for Texas a lot of people like to do the horns down you you saw the Alabama players doing it when they beat Texas yeah. everybody, everybody does, does it when it. they do Texas um but this one was a little different and it was a little creative on the seventh of Miami's eight turnovers, Brandon Johnson for Duke has a twenty nine yard pick six and then proceeds to hold up the U and then break it right over his knee. And that's to me that's actually creative. That's a lot more yeah. creative than just the horns down. I like that a lot.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> I guess you can say it was at the point of the game where it didn't matter. Not you know, sometimes when people do horns down or whatever, you know, the Texas will defend it or get angry about it or whatever. But I mean, you can't really do anything. You have eight turnovers in a game. It's hard to Hard to walk away with any any self dignity after that, and maybe that's Mario Cristobal's career at Miami—just a, a big you breaking it over the knee. No,
2: I, we haven't really talked about him much since like the first couple weeks. But I mean, how big of a disappointment has Miami football just been this yeah. year? Because I know Mario Cristobal, highly talented, highly uh, highly talented coach coming out of Oregon. People thought he was gonna. People thought he was just gonna come in and win. They were mm-hmm. like, "This is a." You have a roster that's built now in the three and four in the ACC, which the ACC's better this year, but they're still not. You know, Florida State's getting a little better, but they're still not where they need to be. North Carolina's kind of a disappointment. And then, again, getting whooped by Duke with eight turnovers, that's just not a good look. But I did like it because, you know, Miami has that turnover chain, that big U turnover yeah. chain. I, I hate that. I think it's so gaudy. So I like the 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 Blue Devils game. Just broke it over the knee. I liked it. Yeah, it's a very, very solid way to end that game.
1: And then finally, our number one hot of the week—kind of a, another diss at Jimbo Fisher. But what could Jimbo buy? Yeah, you know, it's a big, it's a big question here. As of right now, Jimbo Fisher has a eighty-six million dollar buyout, and it's crazy to think that—that's arguably trying to get paid. You would you? I would have never thought that that's even a question. I want to see what eighty-six million dollars looks like stacked up. Like I. I would love to see that amount of money. But there are quite a few things that he would be able to buy with that $86 million buyout. And we'll start off with um, he'd be able to buy a private resort island for the low price of $50 million in the Caribbean. That'd be a nice little vacation Nice little retirement retirement spot after you're done coaching. Yeah. How about um, he could buy other coaches if he wanted to. Uh, He could pay the buyouts of Neil Brown from West Virginia, Elijah Drinkwitz from Missouri, Brian Harson from our Auburn Tigers, and Scott Satterfield for Louisville, and still have 41 million dollars left
2: over. Oh, just 41. I don't know if he, I don't know if he gets rob of 41. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think so either.
1: Or if he really wanted to, he could take the more expensive route, and he could buy out Nick Saban and Josh Heupel. He could do that. Who have buyouts of. $43.2 million and million, respectively.
2: See, that's one of the shocks, man. He could buy out Nick Saban's buyout twice. Yeah. That's amazing.
1: I don't – yeah, that's that's crazy to think about. Your assistant coach, your former assistant is now <laughs> – could possibly buy you out more than once. And then finally, with that $86 million buyout, uh, he could buy a ticket to space. Believe it or not, the SpaceX with Elon Musk um, – the rumor is that those tickets will be going for around fifty-five million dollars, and so to think that he could comfortably afford that is
2: a scary thought. Yeah, well, congrats to Jumbo. You know, yeah. he uh, he had a couple bad years to end, well, or he had that one last year to end at Florida State. It wasn't real good. Kind of left them high and dry, and then he went to Texas A and M and really built a program that's mediocre so yeah. congratulations to him that you you're getting paid 100 million for mediocrity with like number one recruiting classes too. yeah you're going eight and four with number one recruiting well you classes. know these
1: people up in the up in the banners in the press boxes you know they're paying we're paying y'all to be here yeah so. exactly wow. but uh yeah i don't know i feel like that's that's just a you know I, what, what would you do for eighty six an eighty six million dollar buyout, like I would I would make a few people angry by losing games.
2: Yeah, I think I could lose games. I could lose games for eighty six million dollars pretty easily. <laughs> I think I could do it. Well, let's uh, let's move on to the knots real quick. Uh, might have to run these a little faster than normal. Uh, who do you got for number four?
1: Yeah, so number four. Uh, it's another week. It's another Mike Leach quote. I mean, it's hard not to. After a lackluster performance for his receivers in the Alabama game, he makes a whole press conference about dinosaurs. And yes, dinosaurs.
2: Good for him. Very educational. Yes,
1: it was. He talks about, he says, well, quote, well, I need, I I think we need to use our hands better. We don't move our hands very good. You know, when I was a kid and I was in grade school, there was this big, nice dinosaur guy. I can't remember what gas station, but they would give you a free dinosaur if you filled up there. And that's back then when they had commercials on the TV. And then they would give that to kids like me. He followed by saying, where is it? i got to find it. Here we go. Uh, I'm genuinely fearful that on our team, if me and the other coaches don't get them right, uh, our generation from now, their kids and grandkids won't have hands. Hmm. Very scary Because of follow. a lack of use of those hands, they might just disappear. Maybe they'll they'll be like this, and he uh, went T Rex hands on on the podium, and he said like those dinosaur hands, and you know like the t- like the T Rex, which is clearly good at eating things, but with small hands can't do too much, Thank especially you. catch footballs. Thank you, Mike Leach. Yeah, I mean, Thank what you. would you do without what would you do without Coach
2: Leach? We would, we would honestly do nothing. We wouldn't know anything, and we would be lost without him. But real quick, we'll go to number three. Uh traveling down to Texas, Steve Sarkisian, uh. Obviously, they lost against Okie State, and so Texas has this tradition where they play they play their uh, kind of alma mater. It's called the Eyes of Texas, and usually everybody stays on the field for that even when they lose. And Steve Starkeesian said, you know what? We lost. I'm not staying on the field for that. <laughs> and you might not think that's a big deal. I, I certainly didn't think it was a big deal. Texas fans thought it was a big deal. He absolutely got lit up, and it isn't really a great look, especially how some of their games have gone this year. No,
1: it really wasn't. And, I mean, honestly, kind of ironically – the eyes of Texas were not too happy after after that loss that he had. Uh, we're actually going to take a quick break because we got two more very solid knots before we give into a Week 9 preview. Stay tuned here on Tailgate Talk on Weagle
2: 91.1. And welcome back to Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1. We got two more knots for y'all in our Who's Hot, Who's Not segment. Uh, Christian, what's our second knot?
1: Yeah, so we, we've had a little bit of an ongoing joke with the Iowa offense, but – you know, just how bad is that Iowa offense? Well, it has been 134 minutes and 56 seconds of game play time before, or since the offense has found the end zone. And that's pretty hard to do. Yes, there's only 60 minutes in a college football game. So that is over two full games since the Iowa offense has reached the end zone. And so let's put it into perspective. You know, how long is 134 minutes of running time? Well, in 134 minutes you could watch The Black Panther. You could watch The Bohemian Rhapsody movie. You could watch The Conjuring 2. You have time to cook a three-course meal or if you really wanted to, you could drive through South or I'm sorry, you could drive through Rhode Island four different times.
2: The Conjuring Two is a very good movie. It's spooky season, so you know, and it's a, it, to me it's the scariest of the Conjuring films. And I do like Rhode Island because I've definitely been there. Yeah, I yeah. very pretty. Yeah, one
1: hundred percent. I've yep. Um, and then for our wide, uh, our vast female audience to put into perspective, um, I took my girlfriend to get her nails done this past weekend because it was her birthday. And so sweet, such a good yeah, boyfriend. Oh, I know it. And and you bragged
2: about it on air, which is just so noble.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it, definitely. There's there's not a punchline coming at all or anything. But, um, yeah, so she went and got her ac- acrylic gel nails done, and holy crap, that took forever.
2: Of course it did. Yeah, I can imagine. I, I
1: didn't think that it would take that long, but sitting there watching her hold her hands like this for over an hour. And you I enjoyed was, every second of it, um, didn't you? Oh, I loved it. <laughs> but the fact that she could go and get her nails done Decide that she didn't like it at all after it was finished, get them to be redone, and there would still be leftover time before Iowa State will reach the end zone.
2: Yeah, they're, uh, <laughs> yeah, or Iowa.
1: I'm sorry, not yeah, Iowa no, no, State, no, Iowa. I, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Don't hate on the Cyclones. We're talking about the Hawkeyes, <laughs> no, Iowa. They've been in a bad case of it this whole year. Their offense has not been very good. And I can't – like, th- those stats are actually, wow. Like, that's bad, bad. I, yeah. And good on – you. I can't believe you just went through all that and, you know, you tallied that up. A little sati- <laughs> uh, statistician over here. But, number one, not real quick. Uh, have you ever – if you're listening to this show, this probably isn't you, but maybe you just stumbled on our show and you're like, I don't really know a lot about college football. I've never been to a game, but I don't want to spend all that money. Yeah, well, I mean- well, it's okay. All you have to do – is a uh, go to Stanford because uh-huh. they're giving out free tickets for the last two games of the season Really? to try to just spark uh, enthusiasm over the program, which is like what? Okay, like I'm sorry, I don't care how bad your football team is. Stanford's a big time program. Yeah. What are
1: you doing? Uh, yeah, that that's that's above embarrassing. Like there's there's embarrassing, and then there's that just the fact of a, essentially a free trial of college football games, and that's literally what they are doing. You can rent. These tickets essentially for free, and the only reason that you would pay for them is if you decided to get season tickets at those seats for next year.
0: What?
2: That doesn't matter. I don't like. What is that? Even if
1: you were going to buy those tickets, why would you say
2: yes? <laughs> no. What? Yeah. You would, I just. I don't know. I just for Like, what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, get, get your, just. Get. They're just. They're just trying to broaden the knowledge and
1: the love and the passion of college football that so many of us enjoy and share. And, you know, there's ways to do it, but I don't know if that's, that's a very popular way to do
2: it. Well, real quick, we're going to go over the week uh, non-preview because, like always, we run way over time talking about other stuff, and then we just barely get to the games of the week. But uh, we'll go real quick because these aren't ranked matchups. Uh, number 15, Ole Miss, is going to Texas A&M. Uh, what do you got in that game?
1: Uh, I mean, the Ole Miss defense has been pretty brutal the past two weeks. giving up 440 against Auburn and 500 even against LSU. So there is hope for the Aggies if you're looking at it from that standpoint. But there's also the standpoint of what has the Texas A&M offense done anytime. And so because of that, I think Ole Miss is going to gain a bunch of confidence on the offensive and defensive side of the ball uh, going into essentially the SEC West Championship unless unless LSU does something crazy. But – uh, Ole Miss and Alabama playing
2: in a couple weeks, and I got Ole Miss comfortably forty
1: five to twenty
2: eight. Yeah, the lines only two for Ole Miss. I feel like that's I know they did just get blown out by LSU, but I still think that's grossly underestimated. I say I think Ole Miss could have put up forty two, and the Aggie offense might put up twenty. So yeah. I guess I'll go forty two to twenty, but that's not going to be close. Do you even want to talk about Georgia, Florida, or? I mean, I mean it. We uh, we'll give a,
1: we'll give one sentence. Uh, Anthony
2: Richardson has to be the best player on the field, and he won't be. He won't be. Yeah, no. It's just <laughs> it, this is sad that I, we're gonna gloss over Georgia, Florida, because that's a big time. You can just hear that. Dun da da dun, da, yeah. da. I, I can just hear it. when I think of SEC on CBS. I think of the Iron Bowl, and Georgia, Florida's up there. I think of them uh, every year. That's a big game. But again, yeah, I'm just glossing over that. 22-and-a-half point, point spread. We'll just – I'm taking George. I don't need to get yeah. for that. Yeah. Uh, okay, and then uh, – so another matchup, number three, Tennessee, the big team. They're 12-and-a-half point favorites versus my Wildcats of Kentucky. But they got uh, – it's in Neyland, which does stink for the Wildcats. Uh, Tennessee is favored by 12-and-a-half. What do you got in that game?
1: Yeah, well, it's two of the top three or four quarterbacks in the SEC, and it's under the lights in Neyland, which is a tough place to play anytime. But you're bringing out dark mode. Tennessee's going all black uniforms, all black helmet, orange additions and you know the usual the usual Tennessee striped the stadium. They're going orange and black, mm-hmm. which I feel like will be a very cool it's scene. It's going to look really cool. And I don't think it's physically possible for that to happen and you lose at home. you, you that's you, you just can't. You can't do that. Kentucky's going to do everything they can to kill the game as much as they can. They want to give that Tennessee offense as little time as possible, but as we learned against Alabama, Tennessee can put up a touchdown in 40 seconds if they need to. I think that Will Levis will play good enough to keep the Wildcats in the game, and again, time of possession will be key, but with a lack of a pass rush, that gives Hendon Hooker time to find Jalen Hyatt, who is coming out to be arguably one of the best receivers in the SEC, if not college football. I got a backdoor cover for Tennessee. Give me the Vols, 41-27. to
2: yeah, I like the Vols, too, but I do think it will be really close. I got it a one-score possession. I got this 38-31. to uh, 31. Okay. I, th- I think Will Levis keeps this really close. Now, real quick, we're probably just going to have to give score predictions, honestly, because we're running out of time. Uh, number 2, 22, Kansas State. They're hosting number 9, Oklahoma State. And Kansas State's actually favored by a point and a half. Uh, who do you got? Yeah, I mean, it can go either way. Um, I got –
1: if we're given just a score, Oklahoma State, 31-28. to 28. Both Kansas State quarterbacks are beat up. They want to be able to run the ball, but when both of your quarterbacks are beat up, there's no way that you're going to take risks on them running the ball. And that will aid the Oklahoma State defense, who was last in the last in the Big 12 in passing yards per game. But I don't think it'll matter. I got Oklahoma by a field. Oklahoma State by a field goal, 31-28.
2: Yeah, I hate to just copy what you just said, but literally everything you just said, I agree with. And I do have Oklahoma State. I feel like they keep that momentum going. Again, they've looked really good in every game this season. The only game they've lost is that TCU. They just kind of blew it, but you know it happens. And then finally, the really big one. Uh, the really big one this week, but again, Michigan kind of exposed them a little bit, so we'll see how close it actually is. Number two, Ohio State travels to Happy Valley to face number thirteen, Penn State. You read this right; they go to Penn State in Provo, and Ohio State's still favored by fifteen and a half. Mm.
1: Yeah, well, I'm gonna have to correct you. Provo is BYU, but um... oh wow, that's bad.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Happy Valley, Happy Valley. Wow, well, I'm go. just, I'm just. There, but Sorry, they, they, I, just, they, I had to just call you out on the air They like, both uh, do wide outs. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, C.J. Stroud in the Ohio State offense is arguably the best in the country. But it's weird that C.J. Stroud might not be the biggest question mark there. It's going to be Penn State's running game. Two weeks ago, we would have been like, okay, Penn State has a very solid run game. We see what they did against Tank Bigsby. We've seen what they do against other teams. But then you give up 418 to Michigan, and all of a sudden, the eyebrows start raising, question marks come up, and you're like, oh. Well, can they stop the run? And with Clifford struggling, Happy Valley at noon, that can only help so much. Uh, I like Penn State to cover if it's 15 and a half, but I think Ohio State by two touchdowns is respectable. So I like Penn State 44 to 27.
2: Yeah, I don't think this game is going to be very close, actually. I know I know that it is in Happy Valley. It's not in Provo. <laughs> I thought I, I thought I thought they just did a deal with BYU and they were going to Go go over to Provo and play that just for the whiteout. You might there. be right here. I'm about to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. i not up with college football we, we, news. We might need to fact check that because I because I don't. I'm, I'm not wrong a whole lot, so I wouldn't start here. <laughs> but no, I think Ohio State. Uh, I'm actually going to take them to cover, and I'm going to take them to cover big, forty nine to seventeen. I, wow. I I think they just blow Penn State out of the water. I think Michigan exposed them, and I think Ohio State's kind of similar to Michigan. But I don't know. That's just what I think. But you want to lead us out?
1: Yeah, let's do it. Well, if you said you're not very you're not wrong most of the time. I didn't know I was co-hosting with, with my girlfriend. Um.
2: Oh, <laughs> wow. I'll, I'll make sure to sound clip that and send it to her after yeah, the I'm show. Sure, yeah, just I'm sure she'd love it. Cut that out. But no, uh,
1: another another great episode. I feel like had a lot of information, a lot going on. And it does it for yet another week. We will be back here Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Hopefully soon we're going to get another another 30 minutes, another hour on, added on to this just because of how much we have to talk about and how much we love just being able to to talk. But it feels like now with the only with only an hour, we're having to just run through notes and whatever. But uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at underscore tailgate talk. Help us with, with any growth there. That would be very much appreciated. But once again, my name is Christian Griffin. This is Donovan Weaver. Thank you for listening to another episode of Tailgate Talk on Weagle 91.1.
2: Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Tailgate Talk with Christian and Donovan. Tune in next week, same time, same place, Wednesdays at 3 for your weekly dose of college football.